Now, time again for another of my uh, Manifesto podcasts. I'm James Whale, and in this series of podcasts, I'm showing the politicians how it's done by drawing up my very own ideas for uh, the Britain that I would like to see take shape in 2012. I suppose, unless you've got lots of money to uh, influence some of the politicians, the chances are fairly remote. But who knows? Maybe we can touch a few nerves. And what's more, I'm also road testing it on some of the brightest brains I could gather around my cabinet room table. I rather think this uh, uh, this place we're sitting is a bit like the cabinet room. It feels as hot and sweaty as I believe sometimes they are. Now, today we're going to talk about crime and punishment. And our criminal justice system in this country has hit the headlines recently for usually all the wrong reasons. Uh, Government-backed pilot schemes to chemically castrate high-risk sex offenders, one idea. Uh, The Coalition have also set out plans for elected regional police commissioners, for which former Deputy Prime Minister John Prescott is standing as a candidate. That'll put the fear of God into anybody thinking of committing wrongdoing. And last year, the Met itself was drawn into the long-running phone-hacking saga, and who could forget the fast-tracking of defendants through the 24-hour magistrate's court after last summer's urban riots? And it's now a year on from the launch of the online crime maps. Remember those? It caused a 75,000 hit-per-minute sensation, the sort of thing I'd like for this podcast. It crashed just two uh, two hours after going live. Um, And the so-called single-minded crime fighter Met Police Commissioner Bernard Hogan Howe, he's now been in the job for six months. Has he made any difference? Did you know he was there? No? Okay. Uh, All this against a backdrop of cuts to frontline policing, reductions in legal aid, constant accusations of disappropriate sentencing and fears of overcrowding in our prisons. Well, I don't think the politicians have cracked it. Do you? So I'm prepared to roll up my sleeves, come up with some recommendations of my own. Um, But before I do that, because everybody will get upset then, I'm joined in the studio by three well-informed, inspiring characters, and together we are going to thrash out a few ideas to see if we can't tackle a few of the challenges ahead for 2012. Vaughan Roberts is chief leader-writer of The Observer and a trustee of the campaigning charity Women in Prison. Martin Bright, political editor of the Jewish Chronicle, chief executive of the New Deal of the Mind, campaigning to broaden access to the creative industries. Uh, And also, uh, as you said, um, Martin, uh, you were the... um, I was the Home Affairs editor of the Observer for many, many years. You were, so you were, yeah, you swinging around and covering all bases, as (laughs) they say. And Sheldon Thomas, uh, Sheldon's uh, co-founder of uh, an organisation called Gangsline, Uh, who use ex-gang members as mentors as an essential tool to reach gangs in London and across the UK. So let's start with Sheldon, who's on the telephone to us to the Cabinet Room today. Um, Sheldon, last time we spoke, I did ask whether or not the government had asked you to come in and give them some advice. Have they? Yes, they finally have asked me to come in and um, give them um, advice, albeit about 10 years too late when I first actually went to the Home Secretary under Labour, who then rejected um, my passionate plea of of, um, my ideas to go out and and, and deal with gangs. Um, And of course, they actually said that the gangs problem wasn't as big as I was making it out, and that really and truly, I had no data or no idea of what I was really talking about, and um, quickly sent me packing. (laughs) So... 
10 years later, they have really found that, that I was correct in my, in my analogy and my forecasting of where gangs was going. And now that we have um, a, a pit um, uh, two miles deep full of gang violence, they're calling me in at the last minute to dig them out of this pit, which is not going to be too easy because obviously, you know, the, the, what I predicted 10 years ago in, in the sense of the age group getting younger is exactly what's happened now. So we're not talking about 20-year-olds or 18-year-old teenagers and that involved in it. We're now talking about 11-year-olds and 10-year-olds and being groomed in primary school. Now, you, whether we call this gang, Sheldon, or whether we just call this a section of society who have been getting away with anything they wanted to do for as long as they can remember, I don't know. I mean, are we glamorising it by using the term gangs? Yes, I mean, obviously we are going glamour, glamorising it, but until we find a terminology that fits the bill, we can only use what they use at this present moment in time. I totally would agree that maybe the word gangs is not the right word, because let's be totally honest they're not real gangsters because real gangsters don't make youtube videos and real gangsters don't sort of go around parading how much people they've stabbed or shot because the real gangsters sit behind you know 20 foot walls live in 7.2 million pound houses and um bringing drugs worth 100 pound 100 million pounds at a time so these are not real gangsters but they're most probably young kids looking for a family um and we would most probably use the term serious group violence but i tend to use the words they use so that they can i can they can understand my approach rather than me come with something different and then they say look you know we're not interested because you don't even you don't even recognize who we are so i i i would agree there might be some form of um glamorizing to a degree mm. Okay, um, before I uh, I bring in my other guests, what would be your first line of attack? What would you actually do uh, to start making a difference if I said to you, okay, what's the first step, Sheldon? Well, the first step would be to start arresting those gangsters who bring in drugs into this country, because we can't, you cannot expect to arrest a guy on a local estate who only makes a poxy £100, £200, if that, um, and then we go around arresting these people and says, oh, we've reduced crimes on these deprived communities, when actually the people who bring in the drugs, who are actually um, uh, um, perpetuating the, um, the, the violence, is these gangsters who bring in the, the, the drugs in tons. We're talking about tons of, um, of drugs coming in under these guys. So I would start earmarking the people behind these big walls, you know, uh, the gangsters up in, you know, in Essex, the gangsters in Hislington, we got gangsters up in Manchester. I won't call their names just in case they want to kind of, you know, <laughs> get upset with me. Are you suggesting that the authorities know who these people are? I am, I am not only suggesting that they know who these people are, that they more than know who they are. But the problem has been is, again, that these police uh, and, and the government have got the whole system wrong. If you want to get rid of gang violence in this country, you chop the head off of the people that that actually stir it up because then the the body starts to wobble. Without the head, you've got nothing. And we've got to understand that these young kids are operating under a regime of, of headship. And so until we understand that, we're going to be forever fighting young thugs on the streets. All right. Um, 
Yvonne Roberts, uh, chief leader writer for The Observer. Yvonne, uh, you, you've been interested in sort of uh, law and order, I know, for a long, long time. Um, I'm sure the government would like to sort of cut the head off the monster if they could get hold of it. Do you think what Sheldon is saying is, is, is right or do you think it's, a, it, it, it's too easy to suggest that? Well, what I think is extraordinary about what Sheldon's just said is uh, he's, he's actually painting a portrait of enormous entrepreneurial ability. Uh, one of the things we... I, I was on the, a youth commission into Knowsley, which is, uh, which is on, on, on one level, appears very low achieving, has very poor GCSE pass rates, but mm. actually it's travelled a huge distance and it's improving very fast. But one of the things uh, that, that absolutely stuck out a mile was this enormous industry in selling soft drugs. And these young kids knew how to do accountancy, they knew about marketing, they knew about branding, they knew all. They had all these skills. And it seems to me that so much of what crime is about, and I've been in, in as I'm sure Martin has, I've been in most of the prisons, uh, is about frustrated aspirations, broken lives, and we're just not actually whether or not you get. I'm sure. I'm sure Sheldon is right. I'm sure there's all sorts of backhanders and and so on and so forth. But unless you actually, you know, start right from the scratch with young people and give them opportunities so that they actually can get out of their own own neighbourhood. I mean, it was it's striking if you go and talk to young people in their own neighbourhood. Many of them, maybe living in in Clapham, haven't gone further than about three miles away from their own neighbourhood, and nobody's actually given them the opportunity to. So that that's why they that's another reason why they join gangs because they want security. But a far more imaginative way would be to open up a whole world to them and actually make use of the skills they've got. Sheldon, I would agree because my organisation does just that. We've got evidence to suggest that when you transfer the skills of drug dealers, and these are, I'm talking about the ones on the local level, the young young kids on these deprived communities, and 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 the, and the, um, the part that previous speaker nailed it because basically these guys have left school with nothing or been kicked out of school. But they have got these skills to do maths beyond my own imagination with no calculation. They know how to work out how much drug to sell, where to get it from. So they've got marketing skills, they've got mathematical skills, accounting skills. So what we've done here at Gangsland is harness those skills. And we've got one young man who's been, he was a notorious gang member in um, Newham. And we've now got him working as an insurance broker because what we've done is transfer his skills. Now, it may seem strange how we did that. We've got another young man now. He's part of one of the gangs from Peckham. We're now working with him, and we're getting him to transfer his skills that he had in creativity, in how he marketed drugs or whatever, and now he's going to be making clothes. So, so it, it, it's about us tapping into that. But the problem has been is that because these young guys and young girls are coming from dysfunctional background, dysfunctional family background, we're not tapping into where the brokenness starts from. Because unless we have parents who can understand their children, who understands the creativity behind their children, because not everyone's cut out to go university. And I think we need to get away from mm. that. I think we need to stop thinking that every child is going to do well in GCSEs because they might be other things that driving that young person, other creativity that we've not tapped into. So unless we've got parents who understand that, because you've got to understand, we're having children having children. So it's going to be difficult for us to, to we've got to educate those children who are having children to understand their children. 
And for us to do that, we've got to change the way we work, and that's what we do at Gangsline. We do just that. All right, let's bring in uh, Martin Bright. Martin, of course, was here on the uh, other podcasts we've done, editor of the Jewish Chronicle, uh, former political editor of the New Statesman, uh, and a man who uh, who uh, I think uh, sees... it's You know, some of the solutions aren't that difficult. It just seems to me that the politicians make life more difficult for everyone, Martin. Well, I think that's, uh, that's probably true across the board, but... Uh, uh, I think that both Yvonne and Sheldon are, uh, are really onto something here with the idea of harnessing young people's entrepreneurships and, and, and people's desire to set up on their own. Uh, certainly my experience from the, the small charity that I run with with young people that, uh, that want to set up their own creative businesses, uh, they are absolutely passionate about this. If you can turn... Uh, their skills in this direction. I, th- I think that we will, we will, we will, we will crack this. The difficulty is that, alongside this uh, very positive idea of, of entrepreneurialism, you have the young people that, that slip through the cracks. You have the young people that end up taking the drugs themselves. You have the young people that end up in prison. You have people whose activity is criminalised, I mean, quite correctly under our legal system because this is illegal activity. You have people who are abused by uh, other gang members, who are abused by older people, who don't have family, who end up sleeping on the floor of of other uh, members of the gangs and end up uh, in this situation that, uh, of course, Camilla Batmangeli, the woman who runs Kids Company, has described as suicidally uncaring. So let's not forget the other side of this, which is which is extremely difficult and extremely problematic. Sheldon, are you suggesting that w- there should be no kind of punishment or retribution for no, wrongdoing no, or not? No, I'm totally... Listen, I, I, I grew up in the 70s as, as a gang member myself, yeah? And I would never suggest to anybody that I shouldn't have been punished. At the time, I'd, I thought I shouldn't have been because of my mindset. What we're living in now is that we have a government, not particularly just the, correlate, um, um, the, the, the liberal and the conservative government, but the past government, who didn't take the violence very seriously until August 2011, when they began to burn neighbourhoods that weren't deprived. And we have to face some home truths here, that the only time they took gangs and violence in deprived communities serious was when that happened. That's not good enough. What we need to, what we need to understand is that, um, as the past speaker just said, there are some young people that are just plain and simple um, bad. We can't, we can't pretend that every young person can be saved. We have to face the home truth. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. But I've been working in this, in, in, with gangs since 1987. And I am telling you, not every young person can be saved because they've gone too far. What I will say is this, is that if we take the right approach, i.e. cut off the head, and the middle gets dealt with by the third sector, um, like organisations like myself and, and, the, and your parts and your present, your present speakers um, and other organisations, then what we have is a bigger chance. But those organisations have to be resourced to a level that will enable them to have a long-term strategic view on gangs. You cannot do it in a short term. So that's one. The other would be that we need to have a police force that is capable of dealing with drugs 
drug importation and guns importation. Because make no mistake, I'm dealing with young guys at age 12 who are packing 9 millimeters. And I'm telling you, those young 12-year-olds do not bring the guns into this country. So we have to start looking at what, who are the people bringing the, uh, the guns into this country? How can we stop them from bringing it? Because I can tell you this, if we do not stop the guns coming in and we do not stop the drugs coming in, the work that us, we are doing that is on your program today becomes very difficult. All right. Um, Yvonne, do you think the uh, new commissioner, Bernard Hogan Howe, is doing a, a good job? Has he made any difference in the, the first six months? Uh, <clears throat> I don't think I don't think he 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 has partly because he's been besieged by all sorts of other things like Levinson and mm. and hacking and and what seems to be half of Scotland Yard being taken out for very expensive meals by News International. But um, I, I think I just wanted to pick up on what Sheldon said about there are some young people beyond redemption, and I think I think the interesting thing about um, if, if if you if you have that frame of mind, I think what we have to start with is a is a frame of mind that says, how do we intervene effectively and early enough? Because that person who is now written off as bad and evil beyond redemption actually, be, you know, started on the first step of an of of, a, of, a, of an elevator, um, of an escalator. Sorry, and I think the relationship between the police and young people is very important in this. We've got Section sixty of the Criminal Justice and Public Order Act that I'm sure El- Sheldon will know a lot about which enables the police basically to shut down an area and just arrest anybody. They don't even have to have any suspicion. Now, that has been used excessively in some parts, usually in very deprived areas. So those, I I think it's absolutely understandable. If I'm a 15-year-old and some policeman pulls me over and won't tell me why, that I start to get angry. And I also live in a very consumerist society. This isn't making excuses. This is actually mm. trying to analyse why what goes wrong. We, we as, a, as, a, as a nation, have the most disastrous kind of penal system. Absolute failure from start to bottom, and um, start to finish. We, we, uh, we're called incarceraholics because we incarcerate more people than anywhere, yeah. anywhere else in, in, in Europe. The problem is, yes, you need to have Is that punishment. because we've got good police? And that's because we because we just the first instinct is to lock them up yeah. and actually but if people are going to behave in an antisocial way Yvonne isn't it better to get them out of the way rather than to allow them the to the trouble is on? they come back I think that ideally of course if somebody's locked up mm. they're not committing crimes but the, but the end result surely must be to stop them continuing to commit crimes and we've got 50 to 70% reoffending rates but some people say that's because prison is very easy in this country you go in there you get three square meals you get to sort of uh, associate with people you, you like you don't have to worry about bills there's no real problems in prison for people. I think anybody who says that hasn't spent very long in prison because one of the things about the prison population is it's hugely, hugely damaged. High, high rates of mental illness, high, high rates of self-harming, um, uh, victims of domestic violence, victims of sexual abuse. And I'm talking about men here as well as women. And quite often what happens in this country is, and this is a dilemma, they're sentenced for very short periods of time, three months, say, one of the main problems is li- is lack of literacy. In three months, you cannot teach somebody to, to, to read or write. You cannot put them on a on a road to acquiring a skill. You know, all you're doing is warehousing them, and they sit. They do sit in their cells for 23 hours a, a day, and nothing is achieved. And people are, 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 you know, they're human beings. They get the message: we're a waste of space. 
literally, we're a waste All of right. space. All uh, right, Martin Bright, um, should we be more concerned? You see, one of the things that worries me is, and, and I'm sure you can both convince me, and, and Sheldon and I have spoken about this before, but I, I get concerned that everybody spends so much time worrying about those people who have offended, very little time worrying about the people who've been offended against, that we've got the, the whole thing out of kilter. Uh, you know, I, I think I agree with Yvonne. There are an enormous amount of people in our prison system who should be in psychiatric units somewhere, being given some kind of... But but for some strange reason, we never carried on with that. We always wanted care in the community. We thought it was best to have people out there in situations where they couldn't cope. But there are some pretty nasty people around who can't be allowed to just live next to everybody else. No, I think that's that's absolutely right. There is a hardcore of criminality that, that needs to be taken off the streets, and I think there is a there's certainly a, a consensus about that. Um, one of the, I think, most profound things that Sheldon said was was this old problem of resourcing. Now, none of these solutions are inexpensive. Uh, e- That's prison- when everybody in politics starts closing their ears absolutely, when you talk absolutely. about money. But if they really want to make a difference, they need to think about this very seriously because whether they consider uh, the kind of right-wing argument that prison works, lock them all up, that's expensive. That's very, very expensive. But if they want to think about things in a more imaginative way, the way that you're talking about, James, the idea that you have specialist drug units, you have specialist mental health units, you have specialist women's units, smaller institutions that we know work from international examples. And if you're going to put somebody, Martin and Yvonne and and Sheldon, if you're going to put somebody in prison, don't put them in for six weeks. Don't put them in for two months. Don't, you know, put them in and make sure that they are going to be in the right state of mind and able to function properly before they're allowed out again. I mean, to, to, to pick up Martin's point, five years ago, um, there was a, a report called the Corson Report that actually said uh, for women, and, and the same thing applies to men, prison doesn't work. For the majority, I agree that a small minority really do need to be locked up and probably for a very long time. So what, she, what, was, what was set up with, with 36 um, centres, women's centres, that provide, and it's hard work. I mean, I've, I visited a number of these centres, provide all wraparound help so you know you you have to and it's tough love you know you 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 ha, you are part is working with not doing too and um that what they've calculated and this is the way mathematics is going now in politics but you what, have to you have, let say, me just finish this you have to justify so for every pound saved over a five-year period these centers are saving the taxpayer 14 pounds now that's the kind of equation that even people on the right can understand. Yeah. That's what we need to do more of. What happens though when you have somebody and they just don't want to be uh, involved in your ideas and you you know or even worse they realize what you're doing and they manipul- manipulate you so that that you think you're having some sort of uh, success with them and as soon as they get back and their freedom they start committing crime again. Turn them into an MP. No, I'm being facetious. Um well, maybe uh, not. <laughs> uh there are always going to be people who do that. The, the extraordinary thing about human nature is how it does respond to, to an investment of time. I'm sure Sheldon and Martin will, will, will agree with that. It's extraordinary uh, how, how, how people will respond if somebody shows them a sus- sustained interest and invest in time. I, I would, I, Sheldon? Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Yvonne and Martin made some fantastic points. And I just think part of the, the problem is that young people need to stop being lied to. And I'll give you an example of um, why I say that. I work with a lot of gangs um, across the London and parts of the UK. And one of the things that some of them have been saying, especially in the boroughs of Newham, Barking and Dagenham, Waltham Forest, when the Olympics first was announced, they were told by Sebastian Coe 
that there will be jobs and apprenticeships for the neighboring boroughs, especially people from Newham. That never materialized. What we have now is massive corporations making billions of pounds from the Olympics. Yet, this is what a gang member told me um, about two months ago. He said, now they are asking young people to volunteer free, free of service, <laughs> to volunteer for the Olympics while they get paid. But the, 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 the young people are not even encouraged to say, you know what, for the next two months, we will pay you some money to take part and be a part of these Olympics. These are the things that people, young people are, for, are, are fed up of airing, how politicians love to, to uh, manipulate and exploit people. And it's fine for everybody else to get paid, but young teenagers are told, you must do it for, you must do it for the love of it. But no one else did it for the love of it. Those are the things that bothers mm. young people. All right, let's, let's uh, respond. That's a really good point, Martin. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think we... we, we you get end a nice up... costume, though, if you do it. They give you a uniform, don't they? <laughs> they do give you a uniform. That's very nice. But uh, you, we're hitting on the real crux of the matter here, that uh, young people are increasingly being asked to give their services for free. Uh, increasingly, we have broken the idea that you get a, a, a good wage for a good day's work. You know, that used to be the deal that we, that we had for young people. Uh, and this will only cause further problems. I mean, my, my concern as well is that, is that if you don't intervene early enough, this only ends up being more expensive. The sort of interventions that Yvonne's talking about within women's prisons at a later date are phenomenally expensive. And they're phenomenally expensive because we didn't intervene early enough to stop, to stop this happening. What's, what's very concerning to me is when I hear from my local primary school, I won't say, I won't say where it is except... Uh, except to say that it's in a relatively affluent area of London. But I'm told by the head teacher at uh, my children's primary school that the children who come from the kind of working-class estates that uh, Sheldon's talking about, if their behavioural problems become so difficult that they can no longer contain them within that school and they have to go to a, a special educational unit for children with behavioural difficulties, they know that they will be targeted by gangs immediately as soon as they end up in those units. And I find that absolutely terrifying. Well, I, I um, interviewed the school's minister on my um, radio show on LBC the other day and I played some, some tapes of some... Um, uh, some children who, uh, some teachers who called in because uh, these teachers, particularly in inner London schools now, are every day going to school not knowing if they're going to be threatened, abused. Uh, one woman who said she loved teaching, it was what she wanted to do, but she'd been uh, threatened with rape, she'd been exposed to by a, a boy in the class, you know, and the school's minister sat there completely dumbfounded, saying, This can't be a regular occurrence. and Phone call after phone call after phone call from teachers came in and said, this is exactly what's going on. Now, I know Sheldon is very concerned ab about the, the thing that he says, children having children, isn't it, Sheldon? You yes. want to stop, you think if we can stop people having children who have no real interest in having kids, that actually might be a way of, uh, of combating this, this appalling problem. But how can you do that? How can anybody start legislating on who should be a parent and who shouldn't? Well, I mean, one of the things that I'm glad you touched on this, because 
because we're working in a lot of the schools now, okay? And teachers are threatened beyond your imagination. I find it absolutely ludicrous now that we have um, a London safe boarding, um, children's safe boarding um, uh, initiative out there that is preoccupied with saying we need to make the child the center. Let me explain to those people who may be listening right now. The child you're talking about is a child that is threatening school teachers, beating up their parents, and what we need to be looking at is not making the child a centre because the child is a child. What the child needs to understand is discipline. And what we lack in this country is the approach that used, that used to work with me when I was at school, where you were disciplined. Now, I'm not asking people to bring back the cane. What I'm asking people to use common sense. We're no longer in the 60s and 70s. Children are threatening and beating up their parents and teachers. We need to get real. This is the world we're living in today. We're not living in this, this little I-fly world, the conservative thing that we're in, where children are, are being beaten up by their parents. The percentage of parents that actually beat up their children is so small in comparison to the figure that is coming out of parents being battered by their kids. We've got a, I, I had a, a child who was aged 13. He was aged 13. He woke up out of the bed. His mum woke him up and said, you need to go to school. Let me tell you what that child done. He woke up out of the bed and punched his mum in the face. And I want people to recognise this is not a one-off occurrence. This happens on a regular basis. Sheldon, I've got to stop you because we're running out of time. But I just bring, what, what can be done? This is, this is really the crux of the matter of the problem of the crime epidemic in our, in our country at the moment. It isn't the old lags who, who, uh, who are out there trying to rob you and trying to... I mean, it's the kids who are coming through, isn't it? Shall, uh, what do we do? Well, I, uh, Sheldon uses the word discipline. I think it's boundaries. I think that one of the things consequences. is... Consequences. Consequences. And, and there's a very interesting uh, charity called Skill Force that uses... Uh, ex-army uh, um, men and women to talk to to work with uh, young people who are in danger of being excluded, and it's, again, it's it's very remarkable the impact they have. And I think one of the reasons why is because they work very collegiately, so they don't boss them about, they don't threaten them. They actually, on the very first day, they go in and they say, "How are we going to make this work together?" And I think the young people have respect for them because they're not middle-class people living in, on another planet. They're actually people like themselves. And, and it does have... I think we have to start thinking much more imaginatively mm. about how, how we deal with these young people. Martin. Well, look, I don't think that a 13-year-old boy who punches his mother in the face has done that without seeing a lot of violence around him. I don't think that's the natural thing for a child to do unless unless they've seen a lot of violence or unless they're very the psychologically, they're psychologically disturbed. So I think what we do need to do is look actually probably further down the school system. I mean, the, the sort of concerns that the head teacher I was talking to were, were raising, they're being raised at primary school. Mm. There are children who are uh, seeing violence and then playing out that violence at a, at a very, very young age. And this is something I think we need to look at as a society, whether it's, uh, whether it's the, the kind of classic concerns about violent video games, whether it's concerns about, about what they, these children really see around them. I think we've grown to accept a level of violence in our culture that we should not accept. 
Okay. And Sorry, Yvonne. So I was yes. just going to say, and, the, and absolutely, most of the domestic violence strategies, and every local authority has one, deals almost exclusively with two, with two adults. They assume that it's only adults involved in, in this in the family, and they don't they don't see that way that violence cascades down through the family. If if it is as obvious um, the solutions uh, to to you three as it seems to be, and we haven't even spoken about chemical castration and various other things, I thought we might uh, get into uh, on the podcast today. But if it is this obvious that things could be done and could be changed, uh, is it just money that is stopping it happening? No, I mean, Kenneth Clark has had a good old drubbing because he's actually seen that unless you actually invest in rehabilitation, you're just going to you know, have the same old, old problems again and again and again. But Yvonne, that cannot be misinterpreted as being easy. So if, uh, if, if you've had That's your right. house trashed yeah. or no, broken no. Yeah. into, yeah. you don't want to think no. that w- what the politicians are going to say is, That's OK. Pat them on the head. You didn't mean to do that. It was the way you were brought up. People no, must pers- feel they're going to be protected. A- absolutely. Personal experience. I was mugged in Dublin years ago when the Pope was making a visit by 20 12 year olds and my opinion the day before was very different to the opinion I had the day after so about um, the 12 year olds or the Pope <laughs> about both really okay. but um, uh, so I agree I mean if you're on the receiving end actually again ironically many people who are incarcerated have actually been victims themselves sure. so you have this sort of cycle that goes on and on I think you just have to have brave politicians who stand up and say look we've got to have a proper debate I'm treating you like an adult you can carry on wasting money pouring m- money down the drain or we invest or we have a, a multi pronged strategy which is terribly uh, concentrated on early investment but also tries to stop this cycle Mm. Martin? Well I mean I I think the bravery of politicians is very important here I think what what needs to happen within each of the areas that we talked about is people need to investigate what's going on and not decide the conclusions before they set out so is it the case for instance Sheldon that the decriminalisation of hard drugs might solve some of the problems that you're looking at now that's a very difficult nettle for politicians to grasp but if we're going to look into this let's go to the ultimate conclusion as a possible outcome Sheldon I mean, I, I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you, yeah, and and true. I used to smoke drugs and all that stuff, right? But I'll be honest with you, I'm not a great believer that in, um, you know, um, reducing drugs and allowing it to be freely sold or whatever. I'm not for it. This is what I believe needs to happen. One, we this program, uh, we need to do more of this. Um, and that's one. The other point is that more organisations like yours, Martin and, and Yvonne's and us, we need to know what each other is doing so that we can kind of maybe form partnerships because this is a problem that is going across the whole of UK. Yes, down south it's mainly young black kids and up north it's mainly white kids, but we know the problem is going across cultures. The other point we need to do is that we need to um, look at children having children. We can't talk about um, children lack discipline when children are trying to raise children. That's the first thing. So that means we have to look at where are we going when we are allowing young children to have sex so freely because we think it's A-OK or it's, the, it's, it's, it's a new season, whatever. We need to address that. We also need to address um, organisations like mine and others like Martins and Evans going into prisons on a consistent basis 
financially resourced because we have the skills, we have the passion, and we have the clear understanding of what programs needs to run in these prisons to change the lives of these young people or young adults coming out because the reoffending rate, as Yvonne said, is extremely high. And what I don't want to keep hearing is that I've offered my services to four prisons and every time it's the same argument, we don't have the money. Now, it's okay to spend a million pounds in locking somebody up, but you don't have the money to pay for somebody who can change that young person's life never to come back into prison. Sheldon, thank you very much indeed. Sheldon Thomas, uh, Martin Bright and Yvonne Roberts, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I don't know whether we've uh, made any headway, but it has actually stopped me wanting to uh, uh, to, to thrash everybody about uh, five times a week and, and made me actually think, I, I am absolutely convinced that people going to prison, there are a lot of people who should be uh, actually in, in hospitals, who should be looked after. And if we can actually get people when they're a lot younger and turn them into better citizens than they seem to be at the moment, then that surely is part of the battle. Thank you very much indeed to all my guests. If you have comments on the podcast, uh, then please get in touch with me. Uh, you can email me, james at jameswhale.co.uk. And I want to hear your ideas and your views on what we're doing here, particularly if you happen to be an MP. I haven't got any money to send you, but if you happen to be an MP, uh, get in touch. Email us at, uh, as I say, james at jameswhale.co.uk. You've been listening to James Wales Manifesto, produced by Wise Buddha.